God, why do I always drink the wine first and then my mouth is like... Welcome to the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome with Wendy Bowlesby and Melissa Kirscher. This is Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. I'm Wendy. That's Melissa. And we are going to talk about movies. So uh, those of you just tuning in for the first time, uh, grab yourself something to drink because Lord knows we have. Yeah. Uh, I took a quick trip. Um, I moved into Texas. Teddy wanted to go visit certain people in Chicago and Madison. So we did a quick weekend jaunt to Chicago and then back through Madison on the way and spent an, the night with the amazing John Kavalik and the amazing Judith. Yay! Yay! And the and the house that Apples to Apples built? Yes, and it's an amazing it's house. It's an amazing well. house. Oh my god, guys. Um so on the drive back, I stopped at a gas station and as I was walking the door there was a sign that said cranberry wine. And I thought, I'm recording tonight. I will buy it. <laughs> also, I'm in Tomo, Wisconsin. There is no internet service, no cellular service. It is the deadest dead spot I have yet encountered in these United States, which makes me really hate it. And so something about buying wine in a place you hate felt right. I don't know. It was very dysfunctional. So listeners, that's a long way around. Melissa will clip it yeah. out. No, no, no. I'm keeping that one. So <laughs> So tonight we are drinking cranberry wine. Yeah, it's it's surprisingly not opaque for what we usually yeah, drink. It's and it's very toned. It looks like Kool-Aid. And it kind of tastes like Kool-Aid. It, it's kind of like Kool-Aid sangria. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Kool-Aid sangria. It drinks mostly like Kool-Aid. You can feel the alcohol, but the finish is cranberry. Finish is cranberry, and then there's like this kind of bizarro aftertaste to it which i don't particularly care for but most of it you know if you just keep drinking it and you never get to that after aftertaste it's it's good well that after aftertaste is cranberry too there's well, like it, it's cranberry like there's something... and then there's the bitter cranberry yeah that maybe follows that's up gonna... right you're like oh the cranberry Ugh, Ugh, cranberry, cranberry. Ah. but yes it is three lakes winery wisconsin cranberry semi-sweet cranberry wine I went for the semi-sweet because the yeah. full-on sweet would probably give a serious headache. Yeah, Jesus, if this is the semi-sweet. I know, right? Yeah. Ooh. It is uh, definitely Kool-Aid-y in its drinkability, though. Like, I'm just sucking this down. <laughs> There's like a little graph on the back of the bottle that is a like a range <laughs> with little tick marks on it and the... The arrow is in the middle, and you'd assume that's, like, from sweet to dry. No, it's, like, sweet to semi-dry, which means it's, like, sweet to also version of sweet. I know, right? <laughs> what are we talking about tonight, Wendy? Well, okay. Now, this is going to be a double feature 
So it's going to be two episodes. I don't know how Melissa's going to release them, but well, I'm going to They'll talk... be like a month apart. But... Yeah. I'm going to talk about something and Melissa's going to talk about something. It's thematically tied together. And what we're going to talk about is odd genres that are peculiar to each of us. I don't know. How did you phrase it in that email? Well, I... Oh, God, I can't remember. Like, it, it, there are genres that we each love that you wouldn't necessarily expect each of us to love. Like, your love of musicals, totally understandable, because that's, like, part of your entire oeuvre. I, I'm a choreographer. I'm yeah. a performer. I'm a singer. I'm a dancer. Yeah. Of course you love musicals. Mm -hmm. Your love of Kurosawa is like, of course you love Kurosawa. You're yeah. a cinephile. It's cinephile plus entertainment file. You know, that, that sort of thing. So, yeah, those things make sense. But, okay, but so... there there are a couple of genres we each love. That it's like, well, kind of where where did that come from? Really? And, and when people find out, they're like, really? Because really? <laughs> I remember, I remember when you found out about mine, yeah, yeah. you did that, like, really? and when I found out about yours, I was like, huh. So we're gonna <laughs> kick off with mine. Mm -hmm. So this episode is going to be about Wendy's love of underdog sports flicks. Yay! Yay! And I do. I love them. And Melissa's like, you know, where did that come from? And I'm like, you know what? I really honestly don't have a clue. <laughs> so we prepared a list of like a sampling of movies we could talk about. But let's go back. I was born in 1970. So let's go back to the 1970s, like some of the better known ones at the time. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, Regular listeners to the podcast will know I grew up um, raised by a single mother with cable and the movie channel as my babysitters. Mm -hmm. So there was one summer where I watched Smokey and the Bandit at least once a day <laughs> <laughs> because it was on. Yeah. And uh, mom didn't care. And yeah. And so... So I had access to movies that perhaps some people might feel I oughtn't have had access to, <laughs> but I also had access then to just a variety of shit, but also awesome things. So oddly enough, I mean, there's iconic movies of the 70s like Rocky, mm -hmm. but when I think underdog sports flick, that's not one that like leaps to mind. It is an underdog well, sports it's, flick. It, in, in a lot of ways, I think it's like the ultimate underdog sports flick. I mean, it's so solid and it, it's a very epitome of guy coming from nowhere, literally punching his way up into the ring to make something of himself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it doesn't quite, it might be because it doesn't have the classic finish mm -hmm. right because he oh, doesn't yeah. actually win the fight that it doesn't quite ring my bell in mm -hmm. terms of just yes that is a that every box was ticked off that we have we have a sports okay it's a sports environment ding we have a team that is not doing well ding <laughs> we're gonna have a training montage Ding. Um, there's going to be a big bad team that nobody's ever beaten or some sort of huge hurdle that we have to get over, but it's never going to happen. Ding. But we're going to get over it and totally win. Ding. Yay. Except for Rocky, because he doesn't win. But he, but, and that's why it doesn't but I mean, quite he, ring he, my bell. He wins because he gets there. He, oh, yeah. Uh, he gets to have that fight. It's a brilliant movie. I yeah. love the movie as an adult. And as a kid, 
I liked it, but it's it's a little bit too much for a kid. Mm-hmm. It is a little mature. It is a little more sophisticated. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's it's very it's kind of dry in that seventies adult cinema sort of way. Not yeah. like adult wakachika wakachu, just adult audience. <laughs> Uh, what I really although, remember is although make- given given Sylvester Stallone's history, there, there was a bit of waka chicka waka chicka going on in his past. Really? Yeah, there's he did porn. I don't think I knew that. Prior to doing Death Race 2000, he did a couple like one or two porn films or something like that. Yeah. Wow. And then and then after Rocky, they got repack like one of them got repackaged as the Italian Stallion, and they tried to ride the Rocky coattails with this porn movie that he made. Oh. <laughs> oh. So, dear listeners, take that nugget and yeah. stew on it for a while. <laughs> Everybody drink. Mm. Wow. Let's think about that. Mm. <laughs> so. Yes, Rocky is a sports film, but it's not one that when I that perfectly is like, yes. And I think I just love sports films, these underdog sports films specifically, because they are just the hero's journey. They're, they are nothing but entertainment and catharsis and giving you exactly what you want. Mm-hmm. There is nothing that's going to be truly surprising about it. It's just satisfying. It's, you know, it's meat and potatoes. You're just going to eat it and you're going to be full and you're going to be like, yes, that's what I wanted. And that's why I like them. So probably it started with the Bad News Bears. (laughs) An auspicious beginning. It is because that's actually a really fucking great film. It is. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of film. It's film. It's a lot of film. It's a lot of fun. It's got a great cast. It's got a smart script. But I don't know that they win, now that I think about it. Oh, I can't even remember. I mean, what I remember of Bad News Bears, when I think Bad News Bears, I think Walter Matthau, of course, because mm-hmm. he's fantastic. Uh, that That's one of the best Walter Matthau rules. Grumpy old man. Yeah. <laughs> with kids, with foul-mouthed children. It's beautiful. And uh, the girl... Jodie Foster. It wasn't Jodie Foster. I... Wasn't that Tatum O'Neill? Tatum O'Neill, you're right. I'm wrong. Hey, okay. So, so the girl character, you know, Tatum O'Neill, as we just confirmed. Uh, <laughs> Why did I think it was Jodie Foster? That's well, she was. She was about the. She was about the same age at that time. Well, and it's the tomboy character which Jodie Foster played really well mm-hmm. at, when she was younger too. Yeah, and uh, that's such a remarkable character too, especially for that time. You know, you got that that tomboy pitcher who was like the linchpin of that team Mm -hmm. in in terms of playing and you know all the like seeing kids go through questioning differences of gender Mm -hmm. is really kind of fun yes i I remember the discussions about wearing the nut cups (laughs) (laughs) yes you would think for how much i loved these types of movies i might have been remotely inclined to play a sport but no i just wanted to watch other people play them okay. and that's how i learned about sports and so when people talked about them i'm like i have knowledge <laughs> i have knowledge i well, know that you run the bases to score the points mm-hmm. right I didn't. Oh, I hated playing sports, though. You have to hit the ball and then you have to run. And then there's that teamwork thing. And I was. Yeah, eh. 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 I was yeah. kind of OK with flag football. Oh. Speaking of flag mm-hmm. football, flag football, 
The Longest Yard. Yay! Which we recently talked about at length in yes. our movie marathon I episode. did watch that as a child. Yeah. And there was a whole... Because Burt Reynolds, because mm-hmm. I had seen him in... Um, in Smokey and the Bandit. So I was like, I know that guy. I like that guy. So anytime he popped up in a movie on Mm -hmm. the movie channel, I would watch it. And that's how I came to watch like The Longest Yard, Mm -hmm. which I'm, you know, a lot of it went over my head, but I'm like, I like this. They're they're going (laughs) to sock it to the prison guards. Yeah. I also saw Semi-Tough, which made no sense to me as a child. (laughs) Because that's about existential crisis and middle-aged sports ball players. (laughs) <laughs> every once in a while i think about that movie and i'm like should i watch that again to try to understand what that was about i feel like it wasn't actually good though i don't know breaking away yeah i mean oh man i think i saw that in like 1982 i think that was the last time i saw it and yet it still sticks in my brain i, I remember yeah, we, that uh tim uh, but- we re-watched it at wick movie night once yeah and I was like, I remember this movie. And then I watched it. And I'm like, and it's still really good. And it's it's bicycling, right? Uh-huh. It's uh, Tour de France, is it? Or um, is it just a long bike race that they're working no, what, for? No, what happens is uh, uh, lower class, upper class. Lower class are called cutters because they work in the quarry. Mm-hmm. This lower class kid really, 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 really wants to be... A bicyclist. He wants to race. Mm-hmm. And he's good. He's fast. He's very fast. And like something happens between the two classes and it is determined that they will have a race mm-hmm. in an arena, though. Like how how many laps they need to do. Yeah. In a velodrome. In yeah. yeah. In a velodrome. And he gets like three of his buddies and it's very goodwill hunting for somebody who's a little bit more um modern very good with hunting and that his three friends okay. are nowhere near as driven as him and he's like you know what you just have to get on the bike for a little bit i will then get on the bike and i will finish it and i can totally kick their asses so of course what they do is when he gets on the bike they knock him over i remember that somehow they knock him over he gets totally battered and bloodied mm-hmm. they have to pause everything and um or is that before? I feel like that's during the race. But it, what I remember is they literally tape him onto the bike. Hmm. He is so broken, so battered, so bloody. And yet he can still kick their asses. <laughs> and he does. And it's very satisfying. And yeah, it's it's a great movie. It's a great movie. Yeah, it might be time to revisit that one. But... If you want to really lock into a 70s movie that sort of encapsulates what I love about an underdog sports flick, you need to watch The Fish That Saved Pittsburgh. Really? Because it's so ridiculous. Tell me about The Fish That Saved Pittsburgh. Okay. It's a basketball movie. Okay. 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 You might have noticed by this point, listeners, I do not discriminate about sport. It is sporty. And there is an underdog. I will watch it. <laughs> um, so it's a basketball movie. Pittsburgh has a basketball team that is never, ever, ever won. And so, like, the owner decides or somehow gets in touch with an astrologer. Mm-hmm. Who tells him that because Pittsburgh is the city of brotherly love, blah, 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 that the sign of Pittsburgh would be a Pisces. So they need to find a basketball team that is entirely made up of Pisces. (laughs) 
<laughs> and they do. <laughs> and wow. they are, of course, a ragtag misfit crew mm-hmm. that should have no business being good at sports ball and but they come together as a team and they start winning Mm -hmm. and i remember there's one really short player name and his nickname is set shot and his deal because a lot of these players are like shady too like in some way like they kind of con or they have a gimmick his deal is that he goes for the foul he puts himself in the way so he will get fouled upon because he is so short mm-hmm. that he gets fouled upon and then he gets his two free throws and they call him set shot because he always gets his free throws. Mm-hmm. He And so you get your two points and then you go on and he goes out and he, you know, he sets himself up to get another foul, another two <laughs> points, another two points. That's his so gimmick. it's like a, just a grind. <laughs> yeah. And um, so they're in it for the championship when the championship falls on a night that is astrologically bad for Pisces. Oh, God! <laughs> and so they're, the game starts and they're just like, and their their astrologer is just like, you just have to keep the game going till midnight once the, the window of influence is passed. <laughs> And so they're trying not to lose too badly. They're trying to keep the game going and stretch it out. And then it's after midnight and they're all and it's tied and then they win. Yay! And it's about an astrology based basketball team. <laughs> I kind of want that basketball team to go up against the basketball team in Teen Wolf. <laughs> Which is also an underdog sports movie when you think about it. It is, except that the point of yeah. the movie is not sports. That's that's very true. And so I'm, as you might have noticed, I'm very discerning I, I, about I what know. qualifies, what will ring my bell in terms of an underdog sports flick. Still, I, I did manage to bring up Teen Wolf and I'm proud of myself. Good job, you. <laughs> the fish that saved Pittsburgh. Awesome. I know, right? Awesome. I watched that. More than once. <laughs> but then you go into the 80s mm-hmm. and, you know, oh. I think I think I was I had I like I, the seed had been planted. But once you get into the 80s, you have Karate Kid. And yeah. that's that's all she wrote. It's like once you watch Karate Kid, it's like, how do you not love underdog sports flicks for the rest of your life? Oh, yeah. After that, the Karate Kid. But again, I love the movie. What is so fascinating to me is normally you watch a movie, you love it, and you're like, I want to be that. Like, I kind of wanted a lightsaber after Star Wars. But anytime (laughs) it was something about, I want to exert myself physically to learn a new skill, I'm like, no. I want to watch somebody else do it for my enjoyment. Mm -hmm. Because that's so much easier. It is so much easier. It's so satisfying. I'm not going to get that good. I'm not going to win a championship. Mm -hmm. Why would I want to put forth that effort to not win when you have just won for me? (laughs) And I, you know, I don't particularly feel like getting beaten up by rich kid thugs or, you know, having my leg broken in a championship. Sweep the leg. No. Or, or, you know, painting fences until you please Pat Morita. Until it has become physically embedded into your body so that you will do it without thinking. Let's really think about how many times you'd have to do that. (laughs) 
<laughs> a wax on, a wax off. It defined a generation of sports movies, though. Oh, it did. A it painted did. the fence. A wax <laughs> on, a wax off. I the- remember Pat Morita and Ralph Macchio, and I, I feel that's... Well, and the blonde kid. Oh, yeah, and the blonde kid. Well, I remember him. I can't remember his name. Johnny. I think his name's Johnny. <laughs> Except that it makes no sense that he and the girl would have been dating because he's such a tool. Mm-hmm. It's like, why would she ever have dated him? I don't know. I've I've dated I've dated assholes. Well, we all have. It's well, true. yeah, you know, you you date an asshole or two and then you learn. And, you know, they were young. So she could still have been in the learning phase. So, you know, I'm willing to give that a pass. It's true. That is a delightful movie. I should it is. watch it. It is. The it's... sequels are not. So I've heard. Nearly as delightful. Well, they do the thing in sequels like in uh, Alien 3. Where they take something that you liked and then they kind of shit all over it. Oh. And because they, every one of them needs a new love interest. So they have to shit on the previous love interest. It's like, wait, I thought that was the love of his life or at least the love of the next four years. And it's not that much later. Where's the girlfriend? Oh, it turns out she was a jerk. Um, I was really heavily emotionally invested in that. <laughs> you need to come up with a better reason. Yeah. Like, like she died, <laughs> you know, or something. Something. <laughs> something. 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 So, yeah. She, she moved to Tibet. <laughs> but it's because that is the one thing is that I feel like they latched onto the wrong thing is that every time he's learning a new skill, the entire construct is that he has found a new girl who has some man in her life who doesn't like him, that he has to overcome that person. And I'm like... There are other ways you could have constructed these. Yeah. That's a weird trope to follow through on. It is a little bit. Yeah. But we all practiced the crane. We all did do that, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I still do. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and it became a visual visual joke. Like, ding. All you had to do was strike that pose. It's like, ha, 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 everybody knows it. (laughs) So the Karate Kid. And that was all she wrote. And then... So you had that for, like, the more legit, and then later in the 80s you had Major League. <laughs> oh, God. And that's your cheese ball. That was so fun. You have your cheese ball, like, sports movie. It's like those bookend the range of possibilities, and what mm-hmm. a range it is. What a range. You have legitimate, like, some serious storytelling catharsis, like... The Karate Kid is a legitimately good movie. Mm-hmm. Then you have Major League, which is not. <laughs> actually, Major League is a legitimately very... It's actually a very good, well-crafted comedy. It is it's, a well-crafted comedy. It is... I wouldn't actually call it cheesy. I mean, it, it's... You know, it's kind of that foul mouth crass comedy. But it's the Bad News Bears it's for bad new, Yeah, precisely. It's it's Bad News Bears with Charlie Sheen. <laughs> <laughs> wow, thanks. <laughs> With and Char- Corbin Charlie Burnson. Sheen weirdly hot with the, the glasses. Yeah, oddly attractive. Yeah. yeah. Um, Corbin Burnson. Corbin Burnson. <laughs> yes. Is that Wesley's... Oh, there. it was a cast of many. It, there was a lot of people in it. Yeah. Tom Berenger, who's the catcher. Yep. And there's that whole love thing of him trying to get Rene Russo to be like back with him whatever oh that's right i remember renee russo and yep oh, it is wesley yeah. snipes because he plays <laughs> willie mays hayes 
And he can run like the fucking Dickens. He yeah. is fast, but he can't hit a ball. When they Bob Uecker was in it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and Chelsea Ross. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so many people. And in Dennis Haysbert as the Caribbean guy who's a voodoo, who's got like a voodoo thing. <laughs> yeah, it's directed by David S. Ward, who wrote The Sting. He also wrote it. Yeah. So it's better than it really has any right to be. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is also the same guy who did Sleepless in Seattle. And so I so, mean, I mean, there's a pet. There's pedigree there. <laughs> there's pedigree, but it's not like you can. You, people go major league, yes, and it's certainly not. I did. <laughs> uh, look, I okay. love the movie. Oh yeah. But when people talk about the great comedies, major league does not come up. Yeah, the, which is which is weird. I I remember it being well regarded in its day, and then somehow we just kind of forgot about it. It's not as quotable. That's part of it. Yeah, that's true. And, it, and there and there are parts of it that are very 80s that I think don't quite sell later on. But yeah, <laughs> I just recently we rewatched it because it's on Netflix and I Ooh. I did actually watch it again. And so it's the Cleveland Indians. They have they suck and they are holding tryouts because nobody wants to be a Cleveland Indian. And so they're taking all these people mm-hmm. and. Charlie Sheen's in prison or yeah. something? Yeah. Somebody has a prison record. or Yeah, but he can throw a hell of a fastball. But he can't aim it. But he can't aim it because he's blind as a bat. And so then they <laughs> give him... So he's got... He's this crazy hair and he's so rough he's so much a bad boy and they're like you need glasses. <laughs> and so he gets the most nerdy horn rim glasses ever. Hot. Yeah. It's, you know, th- this was pre... This was pre him pre, being a, yeah, pre Charlie Sheen turning into Charlie Sheen, really. Yeah, this young was, Charlie Sheen was very attractive. Yeah. Whew. Do you have anything on there from the eighties that I missed? That oh, let's did? see, Hoosiers, duh, Hoosiers. That's which I have never seen, so you should take that one. Really, you? I know, I've never. Seen, it's on my list. That's Gene Hackman. I know, right? Okay, put that on the list. I will put it on the list. We will watch Hoosiers. At Hoosiers, some point. yeah, great. I mean, and that was another legitimate sports film. Like, there were Oscar nominations that went with that one. Because, mm-hmm. um, oh, who is in it? Not Gene Hackman, the the assistant coach. Dennis Ho- Hopper. Dennis Hopper. <laughs> Dennis Hooper. I'm going blind. Chelsea Ross again. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. And then a whole bunch of kids. A small town basketball team makes it to the state championships. I mean, it's there is nothing in that film that is not what you expect, but it's just done so well. That's what I've always heard. I've heard that the performances are just stellar, and it's just the sweet spot. It's a movie that hits the sweet spot. Yeah, and a good a good underdog sports film. Mm-hmm. It just does. It's just like that is everything I want in a movie. It just does it. What else is on I, I feel that from Hoosiers, we can talk about Hoop Dreams, which wasn't 80s, but I think it was early 90s. I never saw I, it. it was, now, Hoop Dreams is a documentary, and it's the documentary that prompted changes in the rules for the Oscar documentary categories. What Hoop Dreams is, is it's a three-hour-long documentary about two, 
it's been a while since I've watched it, but let me see if I can remember. It's two inner city kids, you know, two really poor kids who are very passionate about basketball. And they decide to try, you know, from their youth, they try to pursue a career in basketball, like going pro. That is their dream. And this film crew started when they were young, just started filming them to see what happened. This movie follows these kids for years. Wow. And it not knowing what was going to happen. This is not a movie that was made looking back upon something that happened. This is a movie that picked two kids and said, let's see what happens. And just kept filming. And it is a remarkable movie. It's a, it's deep drama. It is um, a lot about growing up poor, not having the resources to get ahead. Um, You know, even if you're very talented or, you know, you have enough talent to go so far, but what happens when you don't have enough talent to go the extra step? Mm -hmm. Um, It's all about that. And it's a fantastic movie and deeply affecting. But the, the reason it wound up changing the rules for the Academy Awards is because the year it came out, and it was being, you know, shopped as a candidate for best documentary. People doing the judging for the documentary award category would watch like 10 minutes of it and just turn it off and then go to the next movie. So it didn't even get into the running because like not enough of the members that were voting members actually watched the movie. And people like Roger Ebert that year were like, were just aghast because he's like, this is one of the best movies to come out in a decade. This is an amazing documentary. This is, this should not have happened. <laughs> this is, this should have won best, it was, it best was documentary. From, it was up. Cause I remember, I, I, I remember it being up, but it was something clearly and so went it, wrong there. And it, so it came out that people hadn't actually watched it when they voted. Yeah. And so uh, the rules got changed. You, to prevent stuff like that from you happening. You have to watch the actual film. Yeah, you have to watch the movie. <laughs> Before you vote. Yeah. Crazy. Funny that. But uh, Hoop Dreams is amazing. It's it's often cited as one of the best documentaries ever. It's Well, it's yeah, really I mean, I've, I've certainly heard about it. I just... Yeah, it's so good. This is a movie I have not seen, and this probably needs to go in the list too, but I re- recall it being around in this same era, Bull Durham. Oh my god. <laughs> That's early 90s. Yeah. You've Oh, I seriously have never seen oh Boulder. Oh my god. Oh, okay. <laughs> that is one of the best comedies in dry dry comedy. It's not a a guffaw laugh out loud comedy yeah. like The Hangover or something like in that vein. Yeah. But it is it is touted as one of the best like baseball movies ever. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. It is so good. <laughs> Susan Sarandon, and I think she was nominated. F- I want to yeah, say yeah. Somebody was, somebody got an acting nomination out of that. Um, but that is where she met Tim Robbins. Oh, really? Ooh, that is the movie Ooh. where they met and fell in love, and they've been together ever since. Yay! And um, and it's got Tim Robbins being hilarious. Oh. Um, as your young, impetuous, uh, in that Charlie Sheen sort of crazy, out of control, like, again, he's got, he's a pitcher, he's got an arm mm-hmm. that will just destroy you. He just can't necessarily put the ball where it should go. Mm-hmm. So they 
put him in the team. They want to season him up before taking him to the big league. So they put him in a team with Kevin Costner, who is the pitcher, and Kevin Costner is the veteran, who they really are like, you need to get him. <laughs> you need to get him shaped up. <laughs> and Susan Sarandon is basically the the baseball groupie mm-hmm. for this team. And uh, it's, it's very 80s. Oh, my God. No, early 90s the clothes i remember some of the clothes just yeah. being like what the, the few years of the 90s where it was like 80s on steroids yeah yeah um oh but it's sexy and it's smart and um and sexy <laughs> well, it's, it's very pro-sex oh it's good very pro-sex um there's like there's a bit part bit character female character who's slept her way through the team and she ends up with the Christian one and the Christian one and they end up falling in love and getting married and he does not judge her for her past. Nice. I mean, so there's really kind of sweet and pos- sex positive things happening in this movie. Excellent. Yeah. And it's about, oh, it's about having personal goals, about recognizing that you're not going to go as far as you hoped. Mm-hmm. And what do you do then? What's your what's your alternate plan? Uh, I just, yeah, it's so good. Okay. <laughs> I, I would put that on the, your list okay. ahead of Hoosiers. Even, okay. I'll, I'll put it on. That, put that's a little bit more iconic, especially when you count the uh, Kevin Costner sports flicks. Like, mm-hmm. Between that and Field of Dreams, Kevin Costner like was like baseball movies with with Kevin Costner are, are a thing. <laughs> they're a thing and they're great. Because uh, Field of Dreams though is not an underdog sports flick. No, no, that's that's I mean, a very that that's a drama with a slight supernatural element. Yeah, and it's not about a team winning. No, no, no. Yeah. So so there was also there was also oh what did I see on my list that was kind of uh, the Mighty Ducks I never saw it neither have I oddly okay. enough all I, right okay so I go to visit my mom mm-hmm. and my mom has cable and she just sort of leaves the TV on this is back when she still lived in Kansas City and we would go down there and I would get sucked into an underdog sports flick that yeah. would be just on the TV and I'm like and I'd be and Chris would just be like. Are you really watching this? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I am. I am watching The Replacements with Keanu Reeves, <laughs> where they are a football team that is not doing well at all. I don't remember much about it, but I do. But like when you say underdog sports films, I'm like, yeah. well, there's yep. that Keanu Reeves football movie. <laughs> what was that called? That was like The Replacements. Yeah, because they had to replace the football team because like the owner wanted to get rid of the team and wanted them to lose. That's a common trope. <laughs> like if if I could yeah. just get them to lose enough, then I can get rid of the team for cheap or sell them or something. Because mm-hmm. that was also part of Major League. So I watched that. I remember Invincible even more because it has, of course, Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> and Mark Wahlberg. In this true story, I love it when it's based on a true story. <laughs> even better when it's a biopic underdog sports film. Yes! It doesn't matter how far you have to go off the path. I, based on, sure, I don't care. <laughs> you can fictionalize it as much as you want. So this was a an Eagles fan. So that's Philadelphia. Yeah? 
Yeah. Okay, we're back in Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania. And Mark Wahlberg, he plays local football, like a pickup league. And everybody's like, and they decide to have open tryouts for the Eagles. And everybody's like, you should go because you're like clearly the best of our group. And he goes and he actually makes it into training camp. But he's so much littler and, uh, and he's getting his ass handed to him. And so he decides to use punter pads because they're they're lighter and they don't hold him back as much Mm -hmm. but they don't protect as much either and he's like he's he's like on the line so it's like really you're gonna play with those he's like i really want to make the team and every little bit counts and like he gets how how to tell if they're gonna rush him or not and then yay he makes the team yay Yay! (laughs) this tiny little guy who has no business is based on a true story a tiny little guy with no (laughs) business playing football on the professional level and he did go you so that's the that's invincible that's mark Wahlberg. it's mark Wahlberg playing football in an underdog sports film i don't know how to sell it to you any better than that (laughs) like why wouldn't you want to watch that and there was a training montage of course, there is. I remember a scene where one of the one of the the you know huge guys on the line, and he keeps knocking him down. And he's like, "Look, help me!" And like, so he ends up with his roommate. Like, he can offer his roommate something, and finally, his roommate gets so frustrated that he can't figure it out. He's like, "Watch their hands. Look at their knuckles." If they're applying pressure, their knuckles will be white. Mm-hmm. And if they're applying pressure, that means they're going to come forward. They're mm-hmm. not backing up or going sideways. Right. Watch their hands and you'll be able to tell if they're going to move forward at you. And so, of course, then the next day he does well because mm-hmm. he's figured out this key thing. And I just I remember that. And so I have these random bits of knowledge. I don't know if they're true or not, but I <laughs> I feel like someday it might serve me well to know that if you're ever in the line of scrimmage, look at the knuckles. It, it's movie true at very at It the is very least. movie true. Mm-hmm. I like movie true. <laughs> There's the rookie. Ooh. Dennis Quaid. Okay. Okay, so again, I love Dennis Quaid. It's a baseball film. Mm-hmm. I watch a lot of those. So he's somebody who was a high school pitcher star. He tried out, maybe he made, he never actually made it to the big leagues. Mm-hmm. Like he tried, but he was a local star. He's now a coach at the high school. And um, as he's throwing balls, his, his high school students are like, ow, ow, <laughs> you should try out. Cause damn. And he makes a bet with them. Like if they win a key game that he will go try out. Okay. And I remember a scene where he goes out, like where there's a speed gun. You know how they set up, like, you're going this fast mm-hmm. out on the highway? Yeah. He goes out there to have it, like, measure how fast he throws. And he throws the ball as hard as he can. And it comes up, like, 63. Yeah. And he's like, no. Well, I promised him I'd try out, but nothing's going to happen from this. Because <laughs> he was like, maybe, maybe, maybe. And he walks away and the sign flickers and it was actually 93. <laughs> 93, you see, because the sign was malfunctioning. I have no idea if that actually happened in real life. <laughs> so he goes out to try out and they're like, holy shit, how did your arm get faster? Because he had like an injury that sidelined him and he's throwing like fastballs that they're like, holy shit. But he's old he's mm-hmm. like in his 40s he's got kids mm-hmm. and everything and they're like uh yeah you're kind of yeah we're gonna draft you yeah 
You're going to be, but he's second string. So he's going around with the team, but he's not playing and you don't get paid if you don't play or you don't get paid as much or something. And he keeps calling home and his wife's like, I really want to support you doing this, but you're not at home and the kids miss you and you're not making any money. And I really want to support you, but I'm trying hard to see what the point of all this is (laughs) until finally he does get to play. Yeah. His rookie game. Mm-hmm. As like a 45 year old. And that's why it's the rookie. Because he's so old to be a rookie. Mm-hmm. See? Ha ha. And, and of course he, he wins. He does well. Because awesome. it's that kind of a movie. Awesome. Because it's, it's I think it's Ron Howard. or It's one of those kind of yeah, films. It's, it's like, like a feel good. Feel good. You know what you're going to watch. <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> Which leads us into more modern films. Mm-hmm. So now we're looking more at like... um. What? I mean, there was... Well, we've got Bring It On, so I think technically kind of... Oh, yeah, but it's kind of a dance movie, kind of an underdog sports film, which makes it awesome! (laughs) It's a Venn diagram of awesome! (laughs) This this is... (laughs) So if you look at that Venn diagram, like that slightly vaginal looking (laughs) area in the center, that's where Bring It On resides. (laughs) Right? Right at the clitoris. For Wendy, at least. Right at the clitoris. (laughs) Yep, right there. Just rub it a little bit and it's amazing um <laughs> i said that out loud it's like i'm sharon steitler hmm. uh bring it on which has kirsten dunst yeah what i was i was surprised El- by how much i enjoyed that movie eliza Dushku. it yes. is super enjoyable yeah. no I, I i was visiting a friend in west virginia and we went to his brother's house for some reason and you know, we were just killing time and I was like protecting their chihuahua from the rampaging children. And and somebody just put on Bring It On and it's like, oh, it's Bring It On. And I, and like 10 minutes in, it's like, <coughs> oh my God, I'm kind of super into this. This is actually okay. <laughs> it's really good. Yeah, Eliza it's, it's fun. Yeah. Um, it's got that whole pitch perfect thing of like um we're so super awesome and i'm leaving it to you now you've got to continue being awesome and then the pressure's on are you going to be able to maintain the awesome and then you find out kirsten dunce finds out they've been stealing all the routines Mm -hmm. from an inner city squad Mm -hmm. and whiting them up i mean that's one of the more enjoyable sequences oh yeah is they're doing they're at a game cheering and the the inner city kids show up and watch them do their routines and they're they're like oh you mean this one this is how it actually goes and it's a lot more funky than that yeah and it's and as they keep trying things and then they're looking up and they're like every single one of their cheers everyone ripped off (laughs) (sighs) (laughs) and it becomes this whole thing uh like oh if if we're truly going to compete and then like well we can't use these routines we need a new one but it's too late so we're going to hire somebody which is against the rules and it's shit and and, 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 fingers oh god the 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 german choreographer dude just cracks me up (laughs) okay so um there's a couple more movies i do want to talk about miracle yeah here this is a movie about hockey i don't know anything about hockey Ooh, ooh, really i i don't i i really i have no clue i mean i understand that clearly you weren't raised in minnesota like i was no (laughs) i understand the puck goes in the goal you get a point but Uh in terms of the intricacies of the game i got 
I had nothing. Mm-hmm. And and yet that movie came out and I'm like, well, I I went to watch it by myself because uh-huh. nobody else <laughs> nobody else would nobody else really wanted to go see it with me and i'm like well i want to go see it because it it's gonna be satisfying yeah and i went to watch it and there was just a whole lot of stuff that i'm like i don't really know what's happening but they sure are doing stuff and yeah <laughs> so that's a perfect example of wow i'll go watch anything Literally anything, if it's a sports movie, whether or not I even understand the sport. <laughs> and, but then in the in the true sweet spot, you've got your Oscar nominees, because this is a trope that Oscar loves mm-hmm. between the blind side and Seabiscuit. Oh, my God, they're so good. They're so, so, although technically the blind side isn't actually an underdog sports flick because it's not about a team winning. No, but... It's about a person. Person who's an but underdog. It's, it's still in the realm, mm-hmm. right? And it's, oh, and Sandra Bullock really is great. In awesome. It. Um, I also read the book that it was based on, which is really, really, really fascinating. Ooh. And um, some of the interesting things in the book about Michael Orr, for the, for the purposes of the movie, they need to shift his character a little bit to, for the drama that they're trying to create. But... And try to, they like there's a scene in the movie where he's he acts like he's never played football before, but at his old high school he had been a football star. Okay, but he was also just so fucking gifted physically. Mm-hmm. He also played basketball, and their team went to the championships. Wow. He also did track and field. Huh. Because the coach was like. You you literally can do anything. What else should we try with you? What, what, <laughs> what are you interested in doing? We could play with this. So he did the shot put mm-hmm. and he just sort of threw it without doing any of the other stuff. And it broke the school record. <laughs> like he was like, I don't know. And the, and the and he's like, no, you actually have to do these things. And he's like, oh, but like just his first sort of heave broke in and so then they did the discus and they were like watching videos of how uh, the coach had never coached anybody who did discus Mm -hmm. so he's watching videos to try to teach michael how to throw it properly so that he could do even better even though michael was already like killing in competitions Mm -hmm. because this kid was just so physically gifted that's what i found most fascinating out of the book so and i love the movie because it's just so likable mm-hmm. and and Sandra Bullock and also uh, what's his toes? The country music star plays her husband. Anyway, doesn't matter. <laughs> um, and then there's Seabiscuit, which... Seabiscuit. Really? I'm going to watch a horse racing movie? Apparently I am. <laughs> I, the Black Stallion, I watched that when I was a kid. Uh-huh. National Velvet, I'm sure. Yeah. Not as much as The Black Stallion. Mm-hmm. The Black Stallion, I have a much more firm memory of watching that and like the final race i forget why they ended up in a race and he's got his weird little hood thing mm-hmm. and yeah but sea biscuit oh that's a beautifully crafted movie because the underdog is everybody in that movie they tie them all together and sea biscuit is their metaphor their champion their whatever you've got the owner and how bad his life was you've got the the trainer 
who had never really been successful. You've got the jockey who's a joke and you've got this horse that should never have been able to win races. <laughs> and it's just so yay. And he wins. Yay. <laughs> and it's got Chris Cooper in it. I love him in that movie. Jeff Bridges also. And Elizabeth Banks. Love nice. her. Nice. Have you not seen it? You I have. have not seen it. Are you C- kidding me? I have not seen Sea Biscuit. It's so satisfying. And it's got the voice mm-hmm. of Ken Burns documentaries. Awesome. I know. So as you're watching it, it's like, I feel like this is legitimate. So so <laughs> I, now I'm kind of fascinated to see a version of Sea Biscuit, which is just still photographs that are moving slightly. <laughs> moving slightly. You mean the Ken Burns effect? The in- Ken Burns effect in Sea Biscuit? Yes. Because yeah. in iMovie, when it, there is a Ken can, Burns effect, you yep. can turn on. Yep. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. It <laughs> slo- gonna... zooms in slightly and pans a little. And pans a little. <laughs> so it's a still photo, but there's movement. So it's much more exciting than just looking at a still photo. <laughs> I I love that that was a leap forward in documentary making. You know, This is how you make still photos more exciting. Those moments do happen in Seabiscuit. <laughs> because they're putting it in the context of, of the Great Depression. Well, Yeah. Yeah. And and because Seabiscuit really was... Well, it was a cultural phenomenon as well as... Yeah, and you need to really understand the yeah. context of why. Mm-hmm. And so the filmmakers are like, well, you know what we could do? We could make it look like a Ken Burns documentary and then it goes into a real movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that movie. I'm a, and, Yeah. I'm an, another movie I haven't seen is Moneyball. <gasps> I know, right? Ah! I know. So now we're accumulating a lot of movies on my list. Oh my god, we I just need, to, need to do like a day of sports movies mm, for you. Cuz that's Aaron Sorkin. I know. I know. And Brad Pitt and, and Brad he's Pitt. great and Jonah Hill and he's great. And I have a t-shirt from that production and it's super comfortable. And it is. Yeah. Right? You yeah. have one too. Yeah, it's one of my favorite t-shirts. Yeah. It's true. It is a very comfortable t-shirt. And that Oh, that's that's a bittersweet. That's a bit. That's one where they don't win really in the end, but they do win in terms of getting far beyond where they would where they should have. But also, the idea that he came up with, other teams started emulating because it worked. Well, yeah, and it's it's a true story. And the thing that I find fascinating about about it is it's it's a science story that feeds into sports yeah it it is somebody who revolutionized statistics as it applies to sports yeah it's like well and there's oh there's a great scene where um because the one of the themes of the movie because it's a great script written by aaron sorkin so it actually has a theme that plays out is these talent scouts are just taking their best guess Mm mm-hmm and they'll come and they'll tell somebody, you've got the whole package, you're totally going to be a star, blah, 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 blah. And whether or not it actually happens is anybody's guess. Mm-hmm. And it plays out because Billy, Billy was supposed to be a baseball star. He for he didn't he didn't go to college because the recruiters recruited him right out of high school and he was supposed to be a star, but he never made it. And, the, and they keep doing these flashbacks to just underscore this idea of, you know, the the recruiters and the experts, they, they the talent scouts, they claim looking at you that they know what makes a good baseball player, except that here's our key, our central character, the living proof. They don't know. Yeah. 
And so as he's bringing in statistics to say, if you look at what this person actually does and utilize what they're good at and Mm -hmm. go for the key skills that get you points and build a team around that... And of course, the scouts are like, but that, they're not good. And and there's even a scene where he's like, none of you actually know. And of course, the manager's just like, the coach is like, no, I won't do it. And so he has to, it's like, no, I'm not going to put him at first base. He's he, he's not a first base player. He, he sucks at first base. He's like, you're going to put him at first base because he's going to be batting and he is a good batter. And I don't care about first base. I care about people getting on base when we're playing offense. And there's a whole tussle there. And so sad because that's what's satisfying is when when there's those tussles, but your hero comes out ahead because he's right. Yes. (laughs) I like it when people who are right win because so often in my life when I am right, I still don't win. (laughs) And I would like it better if I did. (laughs) Which um, brings me one film on your list there that you've got that we also need to bring up is The Fighter. Yes. Oh, that's a good movie. It's such a good movie. It, and uh, that is Christian Bale and... What's <laughs> that, Mark Wahlberg? Mark Wahlberg. It is Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg! 2010. Yeah. The but, Fighter. But boy, it's Christian Bale that really is the tour de force in that movie. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, his performance is amazing. And it's such a... Oh, what that, I love that's is... A, that's a, oh, oh, you're... You're going to hurt yourself. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. That is a great, great... Okay, the sport in this case is boxing. Yeah. Which is not a sport I generally want to know about or care about or watch because two people just pounding on each other is so gross to me. Mm -hmm. But that is a great movie because it's all about how your home life can really define your own capabilities. Because what a fucked up toxic home life poor Mark Wahlberg has and he's fighting an uphill battle to get noticed by his own family because of course they're still locked in on Christian Bale he's our star he's our baby and the mother in that is so such a good movie and you expect it to go poorly and that's why it's so good because you know it's a you know it's a sports film but you're not sure is it an underdog sports film mm-hmm. or is it a sports drama that's going to make you sad at the end? And it's not. It's an underdog sports film. Yay! Yay! This is, I I remember when we saw it at Butnamathon and I was mm-hmm. telling people about it. I'm like, go see it. It's not the movie you think it is. It's a David O. Russell movie. So it comes with that pedigree too. Yeah. You know, it's, it's well written. It's well directed. But it's not the movie you think it is. Yeah. When you first start watching it, you think it's a downer, mm-hmm. but it's not. It's not. It's not. Yeah. Before we move on, have you heard of a movie called Knuckle? No. Okay. Knuckle uh, came out mm, four years ago. It is a documentary. It's about, it's about bare knuckle boxing, specifically between two Irish traveler families. Okay. So it's a documentary that follows these two two traveler families that are are like the Hatfields and the McCoys. They have this long feud with one another. Oh. And but they're they're both involved in bare knuckle boxing and 
so it follows kind of this underground Irish bare knuckle boxing ring and the lives of travelers in Ireland. Oh, that's and fascinating. It's it's really really interesting. Well, I mean, because there's yeah. the whole plot in um, Snatch with Brad yeah. Pitt as the Irish traveling bare yeah. knuckle fighter. Yeah. Do you like dags? <laughs> Do you like dags? Periwinkle blue for me, mum. For me, ma. For me, ma. Yeah. N- Knuckle is fascinating. That if, may be- if, if you can find it, it, it's probably on one of the streaming services because it's a documentary and they often pop up there. So go, go take well, a look Well, and it's it. why I like so many dance movies. So many dance movies follow an underdog sports mm-hmm. dog. An underdog sports dog. Really, Wendy? <laughs> <sighs> Boop. Let's try that again. It's why I like so many dance movies, because they follow the same conventions as an underdog sports film, like Silver Linings Playbook. Yeah. Right? They're yeah. they're going into a dance competition, and it's tied directly to the Eagles, and all they have to do is get a certain amount of points, so it's a competition. Mm-hmm. And that dance scene is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> it's fantastic. It really is. And so, and like... Between Bring It On and, uh, oh, all of the, shoot. Step Up. Step Up, thank you. <laughs> all of the Step Up movies are that way. Mm-hmm. Like, you're you're not going to win, but oh, you're going to win. Yay! There is another documentary you should see. It was uh-huh. another one made recently, like within the last two or three years. Um, it was made by ESPN, and it's called The Other Dream Team. Oh, so when you say the the term the dream team, you think of the U.S. hockey team, right? The one that beat the Soviets. Yada, yada, yada. Miracle on ice. Right. Do you believe in miracles? (laughs) Well, the other dream team is about the 1992 Lithuanian basketball team. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that competed in the Olympics. Apparently in Lithuania, at least during the early 90s and prior, there was this fascination with basketball. So they were, you know, really into to competitive basketball. And in the early 90s, they were just coming out of oppression from Russia. In 1992, this... Lithuania put together an Olympic basketball team that was highly competitive and they were going the the full way in competition and they kind of became figureheads of the revolution in Lithuania. They they had funding problems and the Grateful Dead stepped in and gave them uniforms. So they walked in with these crazy tie-dyed <laughs> Grateful Dead uniforms. Are you and kidding me? This is a true fucking story. It's amazing. Um, <laughs> look for it. it. It comes off and off various streaming channels. Usually it's on Netflix. Look for the other dream team. It's fascinating. It's fascinating. I've, the what? It's so good. Tie-dyed uniforms. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I'm so not kidding. All right, I'm looking at your list. Is there anything yeah. else I want to There's there's another on? one. This is going on your list, Wendy, because I know uh, you have not seen Lagan. Lagan, I Lagan. know. Lagan. It's not that I don't want to. I keep I know. trying. It is it is at the intersection of Bollywood and underdog sports movies. Lagan is a it, it takes place in British India. Let's see if I can remember how the plot goes. The the British overseers of this this certain rural area this little village 
have demanded this really stupidly high tax increase. You know, everybody's going, oh, no, you can't do this to us. We'll, we'll starve to death in the streets. And the young punk in the village goes, I bet we could field a cricket team that beats yours. And if we do that, we don't have to pay the tax. And British dudes go, ho, 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 you're on. And so these villagers know absolutely nothing about cricket. So they have to, like, this is like a three and a half hour movie. So Because it's Bollywood. It's Bollywood. And they play the long game with it. Because first, you know, the villagers have to go spy on the cricketers to find out how to play cricket. And, you know, they, (laughs) they, they, they eventually find someone who is willing to tell them a little bit about the game so they can train. And, you know, they, they assemble a ragtag team of cricketers. Yeah, it's... And then they're singing and dancing. I I want you, to see it so bad. It. I know. You I can't believe. It. Why is it not on streaming? I've seen it on streaming before. I think it it, it comes and goes. Uh, it's not fair. I know. It was nominated for Oscars. Yeah, it was nominated for Best Foreign Film that yeah. year. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. One last film yeah. to talk about. Uh, and I'm only bringing it up because... Uh, for a specific point, which is that when it is a biopic underdog sports film and you're watching it and mm-hmm. you're a discerning moviegoer, you're like, how much of this is true? Mm-hmm. And I always find it fascinating to go find out. Mm-hmm. So the movie Rudy, which okay. stars Sean Astin. Yes. Um, uh, and when you find out his real life story, it's like, why did we make a movie about you? He's a loser. And he really all he ever wanted in mm. life was to play for Notre Dame yeah. football, but he's a little guy. Yeah. And it's never, and he's not that bright and his family's not rich enough, blah, blah, blah. And he quits his job and just moves to the town. He just moves there and it's just like, and just literally is like hanging around, creeping on the team until finally, like, because it's a Catholic school, like one of the fathers is like, there's a, Community college right next door. Just go there, take the classes, and keep applying, mm-hmm. and keep applying, and keep applying. And finally, there's a big moment in the movie when he actually finally gets accepted to Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. And so he gets to Notre Dame. And so now he can actually play with the fo- try out for the football team, but he's too small and he's not that good. So he's like one of the guys who plays with the team to practice, but is never going to make the roster. Mm-hmm. And but he he plays really hard, but he's just a little guy. It's never going to happen. And he's like, oh, I'm never going to make the team. And like one of his one of the like mentors, like the the priest again is like, well, the worst that could happen is you get a really excellent education from Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. This is still a win win for you, kid. Right. And then finally, the last game of his senior year, uh, they finally put him into play. Mm hmm. Like, they put him on the roster, and he's going to sit on the bench. So now he's actually sitting on the bench for a game. Woo! (laughs) And then, like, in the last minute of play, the coach finally puts him in. And he goes in. And in the movie, he goes in, and they give him the football, and he runs it for a field goal. He runs it for a touchdown. And you're like, oh, never. No, that part actually happened. That part is true. And that's what I find fascinating is that part, the part that seems totally ridiculous, that part is completely true. But they made a movie about a guy who that's all he did for the rest of his life is basically become a motivational speaker about 
I really wanted to do this and I finally got to do it just through perseverance. And I'm like, is it perseverance or is it just hanging around long enough that they just give in? <laughs> I'm not, I'm there's not some, sure. There's something kind of stalkery about that. There, it is really, actually a little bit. Really. I, I mean, Sean Astin does a great job and it's an iconic film and all that. And it's a really beautiful film. But if you really watch it critically, there's a little bit of, huh. And especially when you know that was the high point of his life that he then lived off of. Mm -hmm. Like that's how he made his bread and butter was. I was nothing and I finally got to play and I got to play and so you can play too or something yeah. like that. Except he really did run it in for a touchdown. <laughs> that's all I got. All right. I feel like we missed dodgeball though. <laughs> if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. Dodge, duck, dip. Dive and, and dodge. dodge. <laughs> Rip torn. Oh my god. Oh god, that was a that was a oh that's funny a movie. funny funny movie. I I had the joy of watching dodgeball in the theater. Yeah, <laughs> and and there's nothing like watching dodgeball in the theater for the first time. Because, I mean, a lot of the stuff oh, with um Vince Vaughn with Vince Vaughn and with uh Shorty McShorterson. Uh, the short guy. The short guy. Damn it. I, I'm, <laughs> it's all right. It's been a long time. Right, move on. Move on. A lot of the stuff with them, it doesn't hit my comedy sweet spot. Uh huh. But when you get into the supporting cast, yeah. I am never not entertained by. <laughs> <laughs> by the announcers yeah it's oh a bold beautiful. it's a bold strategy cotton let's see how it plays out for him i quote that all the time it's a bold strategy cotton let's see how it plays out for him and uh, <laughs> el ocho the ocho espn8 the ocho and the justin ocho. long and he's so earnest and um and then the other guy who plays jimmy j j j, 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 j jimmy james mm-hmm I love him. And it's got Alan Tudyk as a pirate for no reason. Yes. <laughs> I I love the out of left field humor. Yes. That the the you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. The the uh marquee falling down for no reason. The <laughs> there the ghost of him talking. It's like yes. and then there's I'm done. Bye bye. <laughs> it's it's uh, beautiful. It's beautiful. beautiful. And then uh, Lance Armstrong shows up <laughs> for a moment. For a moment. And I mean, a lot of the a lot of the stuff with um, God, it's killing me. I am so bad with names tonight. <laughs> oh, fuck me. Dodgeball. Ben Stiller. Thank mm -hmm. you. Uh, a lot of the stuff with Ben Stiller goes a little too far for me. But then, yeah. like, the girl. Yeah. And when you get into her house and it's all full of unicorns and rainbows, just out of the blue and randomly, you're like, okay, that's actually kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> and then they, and it ends up being the Joes versus Cobra. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's actually weirdly subtle. Like, you could kind of, if you just. Yeah, they never call attention to it. They never. And you just go on with it. And, uh, oh. Oh, who's the announcer guy? Is it Gary Cole? It's been a long... It, I think it's Gary I've Cole. I've only seen the movie once. Once? I know. So, I need to see it again. It's so rewatchable. I know. Ah, so, yeah. Anyway, dodgeball. So, underdog sports flicks. Hmm. What makes... I I feel like I've already exposed, expounded, expanded, 
I verbed, exposed. I verbed about why I find them <laughs> so satisfying. Yes. But I think that I am not sophisticated in my movie consumption sometimes. But I think they 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 answer a very basic need in all of us to, you know, after hard work, you are rewarded. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Or, you know, you should be rewarded after hard work. You really. should be rewarded. You know, it's that that catharsis of I've worked really hard for this. Hooray. I got what I wanted. If you try hard enough and you practice long enough and you really want it, you can achieve your dreams. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't want that message? Yeah, seriously. Although it is... It doesn't always work. It doesn't always work. At least it's a little bit less toxic than someday your prince will come. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And hey, I I have been exposed to a myriad of sports and cultures that I would not have known anything about. Mm -hmm. And it makes me feel a little bit more in touch with the rest of the world sometimes, especially since the rest of the world doesn't want to sing and dance with me. (laughs) They want to apparently watch football, so I can at least watch a football movie. (laughs) This is my way of connecting to the rest of the world. You can can choreograph a football musical. I have <laughs> that can that could happen. It could happen. I've choreographed Top Gun the musical, which I feel like Top Gun kind of counts as a sports film. Kind of. There's a training yeah, montage. Of, yeah, there is a training montage. And underdog. Yeah, true. Underdog. True. true. Wins in the end. Mm, you can be my maybe. wingman anytime. Yeah, yeah, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. These tropes, these tropes, they're universal. <laughs> so we are at the point where we need to give our personal Pleasure Dome recommendations. Ooh, I'll need to think of one. You All go. right. So uh, I spent the weekend in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And I happened to be, and I know I've already recommended this, The Devil in the White City. Yes. The book. I know yes. I have. I happened to be spending the weekend with my husband's cousin, Krista, who works at the University of Chicago, which is on the site of the Columbian Exposition (laughs) World's Fair. And she took me on a little driving tour around, like down the Midway Plaisance Mm -hmm. and around the park and the one-third size um, statue that was in the lagoon. Mm -hmm. And we drove around what was the Palace of Fine Arts and is now the Museum of Science and... Industry. Science and Industry? Science or Science and Technology. Science and Industry, Science and Industry. Yeah. Um, And so I stopped at the Field Museum, also... A recommendation. Yeah, the Field Museum is boss. Super, super fantastic. Yeah. And the Field Museum had a book mm-hmm. on the Columbian Exposition with tons and tons of pictures. Oh. And it makes me very happy. There were two. I grabbed the one that had a little bit more story about what was going on and not wasn't just pictures. So it had a little bit more context of about the people and stuff. It's nowhere near as detailed as Devil in the White City and mm-hmm. nowhere near as narrative. But it is an excellent companion piece mm-hmm. to it. So I recommend that book. And I really, really recommend learning about the Columbian Exposition and about these world's fairs, like these were crazy things. And when you go to the site and you can see how much room it took up, it mm-hmm. really gives you the scope of the thing of like, holy shit. It was its own city. It Well, and when you see really? the, the Museum of Science and Industry, mm-hmm. 
and realized that that building, which is a recreation because that building wasn't made to last. They had yeah. to rebuild it. But this was one of the smaller great buildings. And I'm still trying to wrap my head around the manufacturer's building. Yeah. How huge it was. Mm-hmm. I, If I had a time travel machine, I would so go back to all the world's fairs <laughs> and see them and just, ah... Yes. So that is, that's my Pleasure Dome recommendation mm. is history, Very specifically nice. that history. Very nice. I've been reading Logan's Run, the book. There's a book? Yeah. Is it a book series or one book? It's one book. And it's a very tiny little book. It's huh. a very fast read, uh, which is why I've motored through it in like a week and a half. But yeah, it's kind of this very, very fast read. It's it's very 60s. It's very pulp science fiction-y. It's written by, I want to say the guy's name is William Nolan, but also uh, Clayton Johnson, I think, is the other author's name. I've met him. Uh, he's kind of this old hippie dude. But he also wrote several Twilight Zone episodes and stuff like that. But yeah, reading Logan's Run and uh, the edition I got off of Amazon, which I paid a dollar for, is the paperback edition that says soon to be a major motion picture. (laughs) So it's it's very retro and I'm enjoying it a lot. But yeah, there's uh, certainly a lot going on in the book that's not shown in the movie. And huh, like but good stuff. Yeah, it's it's. It's really, really kind of an inventive world. It it almost, the way it's written, it, it almost reads like teen literature in how, you know, fast it moves along and how kind of basic it is. It's like, this happens, this happens, this happens, and it just kind of lines it all up and, and knocks it down. But the details of how the society is, is built... Um, the premise of Logan's Run is, you know, you, they everybody has a, a crystal in the middle of their palm and, you know, it it starts blinking on your last day and then you have to voluntarily volunteer yourself for sleep. And I think in the movie, the age is 30 is when you expire and you're supposed to die. Um, and if you don't voluntarily, you know, take yourself to be put to sleep, people will come after you and and kill you. But in the book, the age is 21. So Which is literally, a lot more creepy. It's a and it is really, really kind of creepy. Actually, it's a lot creepy because it goes into the sexual structure of that society, and um, yeah, yeah, it's it's very, very interesting. It makes you. Have you finished it yet? I'm I'm like within thirty pages of the end because I really would want to know about the people who said it. Oh, I'm I'm just starting to get into the pre-story of what happened with the world that kind of made this society happen. Who would be advanced enough to set that up and go, and anybody my age will be dead? Mm -hmm. We'll just make sure nobody ever reaches my age. Because you know whoever set it up had to have been older than 21. (laughs) Uh, Well, well, I mean... I mean, this would be a, a, a minor spoiler for the book, but like the, the previous society was, you know, like the world went to shit under the watch of adults. And so there was this whole youth movement that rebelled against them. And they decided that all the elders just had to be killed and that youth would be the predominant, you know, basically species on the planet. So th- they set up the timer so that 
Yeah. You know, nobody would age past 21. Your brain's not fully developed at 21. Oh, I know, I know. And it <laughs> and kind of get it kind of gets into that too and <laughs> Yeah, it's it's really pretty interesting. I mean, it's it's mostly kind of executed in really broad strokes, but um, yeah, it's it, okay. it moves fast and uh, it's it's an interesting read. Okay, that's good. Yeah. Hey, we both recommended books. Yeah, books are mm-hmm. great. All right, listeners, thank you for hanging out with us Yay. while I expounded, expanded, verbed Verb. something. I verbed about underdog sports flicks. One of my personal favorite genres. <sighs> Always so satisfying. So, hey, if you have a an underdog sports flick that you would like to recommend that we did not mention, please comment and or Facebook or tweet at us and let us know about it. We would love that because I'm always looking for an underdog sports flick that I haven't seen yet. And I'm somebody who's seen the fish that saved fish Pittsburgh. Fish that fish that saved Fishburg. I'm not Fishburg. actually that drunk. I'm just so. Bleh. I think I'm going to call this episode Fishburg. <laughs> Fishburg. The fish that saved Pittsburgh. The pits that saved Fishburg. Anyway. So if you have a recommendation, please do share it with us. I've been Wendy. This has been Melissa. And this has been the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. And we will talk to you again next week. Yay! 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 Thank you for joining us in the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. Our theme song was written by Tim Wick and Jeffrey Brown and recorded and mastered by Chad Dutton. New episodes arrive every Thursday. You can find us on iTunes and on Stitcher. You can also visit us at xanaducinema.com, follow us on Twitter at Xanadu Cinema, and like us on Facebook at Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. Then you had, so you had, I remember, (laughs) okay, I'd like to start a lot of sentences and not finish any of them.